Greetings and salutations. This is Louis Trapani of Doctor Who Parchock. What follows is another live recording of Doctor Who Parchock. This time it's a roundtable discussion review of the episode Muppets Take Manhattan. No, wait a minute. That's, um, Daleks Take Manhattan. <laughs> Rather, Daleks in Manhattan. Anyway, you get the idea. If you have not seen this episode, this is um, episode four of the 2007 series. If you have not seen this, you're going to want to probably pocket this podcast until you have. You can uh, listen or join in on the live recordings uh, if you like. We usually record the Sunday after the, the new episode is transmitted on the BBC. So that's um, Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That translates to, I believe, 6 p.m. in the UK. And you can join us by going to uh, com, and you can sign up for a free account there. And then dial into 724-444-7444. And once you dial in, you'll want to know the TalkCast ID number, which is 23358. Once again, 23358. You'll be asked to enter your PIN number. And that's what you get when you sign up for a free account at TalkShoe.com. That's TalkShoe, not talk show. That's Shoe, as in what you would put on your feet. <laughs> and um, anyway, so you're welcome to join in on the show as we record them. And if you'd rather not participate, you could just listen live or, um, you know, while we record. And there's also a live chat that goes on, so you can interact, interact with us via chat if you like. So, once again, join us every Sunday after the new episode of the new season premieres. We are reviewing it on these live roundtable discussion podcasts. We will have um, regular Doctor Who Podshock episodes uh, shortly. We're a little bit delayed in that, so um, which will be spoiler-free uh, soon enough. But in the meantime, you're welcome to join the live recordings. More information on these live recordings are available on our website at podshock.net or gallifreyandembassy.org. Well, without further ado, this is Doctor Who, Podshock, episode 77, Daleks in Manhattan. I, I suppose it was a very scary time for people. I suppose it was capitalism gone wrong. One day you could literally be quite comfortably well-off middle-class individual and, and, and two weeks later you are quite literally living in the park. All the natural rules of existence were slightly off. It's a time when the city is incredibly poor, so many people are out of work. Um, you know, it's a city in an immense amount of, of social stress and trouble. And at the same time, what they're doing is, no, they're not feeding people, they're building the tallest building in the world. How come they can do that? And we got people starving in the heart of Manhattan. It's an interesting anthropological argument, really, isn't it, the Depression, as to whether society shouldn't aspire that, that all the money there is should go to helping people out. But there's a great tradition, of course, in human society of, of doing completely the opposite. It's another thing about the episodes, is that they are... They are about ambition and they are about, you know, doing whatever is necessary to survive. Live from the sewers of New York, where the Daleks are giving a whole new meaning to the phrase, 
This little piggy went to market. It's Doctor Who Pod Shock. Post Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 77. Recorded live. Welcome to Doctor Who Podshock, episode 77. Here we are live via TalkShoe recording on April... What's today? 22nd. <laughs> no, 24th. First, no, 22nd. No, I have no idea what today is. We don't even know what day it is. We're recording sometime on Sunday. Or Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and um, the lovely voices you're hearing right now is joining me. Well, first of all, let me introduce myself. I'm Louis Trapani. And joining me, as always, is James uh, Norton, who's, I believe, in the Netherlands. Of course. Is, uh, hello, everybody. Hello. Good to have you back. And after a long sabbatical and or hiatus, if you will, back with Bad. us is <laughs> back with us is Mr. Kenny Deep. Welcome back, Yay. Kenny. Yay! Hey, Ken. I'm rec- I'm yeah, doing my very first podcast from uh, my new home, and uh, it's uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, good to have you back, mate. And I know I, we haven't I've heard missed, from you since I got. I've missed the last month. So I, I hope you'll indulge me in a quick review of the season so far, being that uh, you guys had the advantage of reviewing the first three stories. And, of course, later on we'll be re- uh, reviewing Daleks and Manhattan. Uh, I was neither here nor there about the first two stories of this season. I, I actually uh, speaking with Lewis during the week and said I fell asleep on the Shakespeare Code twice. Uh, <laughs> That's one more I, that, than me. That's not a joke. I mean, I really did. I fell asleep I, in the middle of the episode, and uh, that was a little disappointing, you know, um, to feel that way about the show. But then Gridlock came along, and that was the first episode this season that I felt was on par with the last, you know, the last two seasons, where it was back to mm-hmm. the things that make Doctor Who great. And I, I, I kind of attribute that to Russell T. Davies writing the story, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, he's got a, a great feel for the show, and uh, there's a few nice magic moments in there, and uh, the character of Brannigan, I think, is wonderful. Mm. Uh, I hope to see him again. Mm, that would be awesome. Yeah, good to see the face of Bo in there, and, and, and the, the macro is certainly a nice surprise, although, you know, yeah, sort of... Uh, uh, it was, you know, it caught you kind of off guard. And, and, and if you were a new fan, if you're like 10 or 12 or 15 years old, you may not know who the Macra are. So it was just sort of a, you know, thing in the background, these, these dangerous things with claws. But if you were an old school fan, you're like, whoa, the Macra, great. Yeah. <laughs> so who's next, the meddling monk? Yeah, but it, it was also quite obscure Perhaps. as well, which is quite cool. Yeah. And uh, so it was good to see it bounce back. Uh, by the third story, if I had to sum up what I've seen so far in the first four episodes, 
this is the way I feel about it, that um, they didn't punch it up a notch is, is really the best way I could put it. There's nothing wrong with any of this stuff. It's all actually, you know, it's fine. But it just seems like they, in the first two stories, they didn't get it over the hump. They didn't deliver on it. It was, uh, it was good, but it could have been great. Um, and even to a certain degree with, uh, with gridlock and, uh, and mm-hmm. Dallas in Manhattan, although Lewis said that on his second viewing of Dallas in Manhattan, he seemed to enjoy it more. So I'm looking forward to seeing it a second time. Yeah, I did. And I'll explain why when we get into the, um, you know, into the review of the episode. I, I somewhat agree with Ken, except for I, I think I liked um, Smith and Jones a lot more than he did then. So, but I, I thought, I, so far I'm thinking the seasons, um, the series rather, is, um, is, is pretty good. Though I think the weak episode for me was the Shakespeare Code, um, as I too did fall asleep the first time I was watching it, but it was late at night and I just, and, but it's still, I, I just... Out of the four episodes, to me, this, that's that's my weakest. And I explained oh. when I reviewed it, it just wasn't my cup of tea. And um, in, in fairness, it, I too was uh, was watching the Shakespeare Code late in the evening. But last night, I was with Lewis late at night watching uh, Sally's in Manhattan, and it was just as late, and I was just as tired coming off of work, and I managed to stay awake through the entire thing. Um, you know, waiting to see what was going to happen. So. Yeah. Hmm. Make make what you will of that, you know, in comparison to the Shakespeare Code, right? Yeah. Simply, it's lost interest. Yeah. No, I I, well, I I agree, but then again, like I said, I um, for for those that are more into, and also I I just it was it it followed the Unquiet Dead a little bit too much in the pattern of the series, you know, where you have your, you know, famous author. (laughs) Well, yeah, And, and it's. I, I don't know. It's a formula that I guess Russell T. Davies likes and and sticks with. I don't know, but it'd be but nice just to have that change around. The thing that made Doctor Who great over the many many decades is that it isn't formula and it isn't pattern. And so I, I've, mm. I've I've expressed this uh, going way back to last season, where I, I wrote off the second season paralleling the first season, based on well, you know, this is a new Doctor and he's getting kind of the similar treatment where you're going to bring in an old enemy and you know, you've got to introduce some things to him. But now we're in the third season. We've got two full seasons behind us. Certain patterns have been established. It's time to break away from them. Mm. Uh, for no other reason than next year we're going to know exactly what happens. We're going to go far off. We're going to go meet a historical figure. We're going to have a two-parter with the, you know, an old bad guy. I mean, what... You know, it's, if it starts becoming predictable, then it's not Doctor Who anymore. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, I agree, but I think as the series pans out, I mean, still, we, we've only just seen the fourth episode, and I think as the series pans out, there, there will be a trend away from that. I think that, that is always... I think at the start of every season, they have a formula that works, that uh, Russell... T. Davies is very happy with and knows that he can get consistently very high viewing figures. I, I mean, I know it shouldn't be about ratings, but unfortunately it, it is really, especially in this the the age we live at the moment where, where there's hundreds and hundreds of channels and everyone's competing for, for eyeballs, as they say. I, I hope that things will get better, and, and I think this has just been kind of an introduction, and now we're kind of seeing the, the interesting things I, I did very much like Gridlock, but I, I completely agree with it, with everything that you said. On, on the, to a certain extent, I mean, 
I, I like the Shakespeare Code, uh, don't get me wrong, but it, I don't know, it's kind of... There's, there's just something missing, I think, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is, and um, I th I'm just kind of letting it go with the flow, I'm just going with the flow at the moment, because I think hopefully the series will pan out when we have some more story arcs in there, and it should be interesting, and um, well, I agree with it you. is a little bit predictable. but have to uh, see where it's going to go. You know, precisely. I, I, I'm taking the same opinion you are, which is, Maybe I'm hoping at some point this season they're going to throw us a curveball and we'll all be like, great. But if they yeah. don't, if they don't, then I'm, you know, that's going to start to worry me because then yeah. next year is going to be the same patterns. And I agree with you that perhaps they're playing it safe in order to garner um, the strong ratings. But yeah, you know, if I wanted to play it safe, I'd watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's true, but I think all, all I'm meaning really, I think, is that it's quite early in the season as, at the moment, and I think they're just kind of settling people in because last season there was a new Doctor, this season there's a new Companion, and we kind of need to get to know them, and if there's a formula that works and, and that they can yeah, utilize well, they'll, they'll use it. I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with you a little and say that we're a third of the way into the season already. So, yeah. if there's no chance to turn it around, now is it? Yeah, okay. Now now we're seeing the difference, I think. I think you're right. We've, but I, all I mean is I think that the, the formula in general, I think, is to try and, and allow people to get comfortable with it, to have some form of at least a little bit of predictability in there. And then towards the end of, of, of the series, they'll have something completely just thrown in there that will just flabbergast you, like... For me, it was Bad Wolf because for some reason, I don't know why, I was completely turned off to that. I think I was probably just so ex excited about the fact that Doctor Who was back. And then the second series, it was seeing the Daleks again. And I'm kind of getting a little bit sick of the bloody Daleks, to be honest now. I mean, we've seen them in every, um, in every series. I'd like to see... Um, well, we'll talk about that later, but I'd like to see some variation. I, I completely agree that we need to... I think it's important that the series moves forward and it's not just the same old stuff, just rehashed a little bit. I think it needs to uh, evolve, so to speak. But uh, more on that later as well, I guess. Okay, well, what we're going to do is um, we have our regular contributors with us that we're going to um, invite them into the discussion here. Joining us, we have our regular contribu contributors, and we're going to invite them into a roundtable discussion. Now, for everyone else that's listening into the live um, podcast here and would like to contribute into the discussion, uh, just enter yourself, raise your hand, enter yourself into the, the queue, and we'll get to you in, in an orderly basis. Joining us right now, we have with us into the discussion is Charas Natitian. Hey, Charas. Hello. Hi. We have Doth Skeptical. Hey, guys. Welcome back, Ken. Good to have you back as well, Darth. And Mike, our Canadian correspondent, is with us as well. Hey, guys. Mike, Mike Duran. I'm, I'm like on a first-name basis with everyone, so I have to remind myself <laughs> to formally introduce everyone. <laughs> okay, so Daleks are in Manhattan. <laughs> oh my. So, yeah, so what did everyone think about this episode? I, I have to say, as Ken was summarizing the first four episodes, um, I, this was one of the episodes I 
probably can speak for Ken that we were both looking forward to, you know, being New Yorkers and um, having an, an interest in that. It was um, seeing where this was going to go. I, I, you know, well, was literally, a, in, in, in a geographic sense, being that we're New Yorkers. Yes. I, that's what I said. And, so go ahead. And, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been looking forward to this episode because I'm also a uh, – uh, a history buff, in, in particular, uh, of New York and Manhattan, old school mm-hmm. Manhattan history. So I was curious to see how well they were going to research some things and stuff and, and set the tone. And I think that you and I were talking last night that um, one of the things that I don't want to, I think let down might be unfair because I, I set the bar very high on this, but they just seem to want to travel in the sewers. And you've got this beautiful 1930s. Manhattan setting. I mean, classic New York City. Sewers are cheaper. And and they just decided to go through the sewers. And if you watch the Confidential, they kind of explained that they didn't have the resources to try to recreate 30s Manhattan in Cardiff. So the only thing that they did that was an exterior shot was the exterior of the theater. And they were showing on the Confidential how they had only a few extras to populate that scene. Yeah, with. five, five that they kept on reusing. Mm-hmm. I have to say the production values were outstanding. They really did an outstanding mm. job. Um, the, the art direction and the direction itself. It was um, uh, the lighting. Um, every, I, I can't really point any faults at. Um, you know, obviously, I, I knew that this was being shot. You know, in, in the UK, and it, you know, there were certain scenes that were shot here, but. Um, you know, it, it didn't really. I, I think they pulled off the illusion fairly well. I, I mm. agree. I agree. I mean, you know, if we, if from a strictly nitpicking point of view, I guess we could sit being people who have you know lived our entire lives in New York and and looked through things and say, well, this is different and this is wrong. But for the most part, uh, they they hit it uh, on the head pr- pretty well. Um, made it a point to to show a few landmarks and uh, uh, Brooklyn Bridge was. Conspicuous by its absence, though they they managed to hit a few landmarks in uh, the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty, but uh, the Brooklyn Bridge seems to be missing. Seeing if it will pop up next week. Mm. <laughs> Remember, yeah. this is Alex in Manhattan, not in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they're going down next. The, the Daleks don't. The Daleks don't want to go over to, to Brooklyn. They 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 know what they're in for if they go there. No outer boroughs. We were, you know, and and I appreciate that that, you know the production values were high, but they still had to save some money. They really couldn't um, spend a lot of time in in what would be scenic New York. You know, still had to be shot in Cardiff. I I think they, I feel that they could have done a little trickery, a little bit more in in those aspects. You know, if you're going to take the time to write a story called Daleks in Manhattan. Um, they could have utilized it a little bit better. This, cause this could have been Daleks in Shanghai. It would have worked the same. Well, I think part of the problem was the time period was that, I mean, granted, if they had uh, the money that if, to bring the actors here into New York City and shoot an episode here in modern day, you know, um, New York City, you know, they could do something like the, what they did with City of Death in Paris, and that would be great. But it's just the fact that it, it just takes so much work just to kind of create the illusion of 1930 New York City that um, production-wise and cost-wise, it was um, probably a bit prohibited. 
Well, but guys, the other thing is that the important landmark that they're trying to hit is Hooverville. And it makes complete sense to me that that's why they're spending a lot of time there and not out among landmarks that we might today recognize. It's an impermanent landmark that was the feature of the story. Well, that's true, mm. and, and, and a good point that, that there's a message that's being delivered by, by visiting the Hoovilles, um, mm-hmm. which is not a city made up of old vacuum cleaners. Yeah. <laughs> but also, no, it does I, think suck. You <laughs> I think you can completely appreciate um, why they wanted to do this in the 30s um, because of the time of the Great Depression and everything. And I thought that that was very, very clever because otherwise, I think as a story, it just wouldn't work. You know, you, well, you wouldn't. There's a certain desperation that took place uh, exactly. in the United States and in particular New York during the Depression. So people were, were anxious at that time to, to lock into something, to, to follow something. So this, yeah, again, it plays into the story and, and what they're going to do dramatically. And I'm curious to see how it's going to work out. It paints a nice canvas of contrast. You have, um, you know, here you have the plush New York and the scarring skyscraper that is the, the Empire State Building and um, the, the art deco of it. And then you have um, people living in tents and reds in, in Central Park. And it just a, it's a nice um, contrast and showing those two uh, working, um, playing well for each other. The sad part is, is that it still happens today, too. If there's a message to be had, it's that, that, you know, it wasn't just then. There's, maybe it's not as extreme as it was then, but there's still you know, plenty of people in Manhattan that are, that are struggling in a very mm-hmm. similar way. Yeah, and it sort of echoes back to gridlock as well, where the whole upper-class civilization of, in, in oh, New, I, New York... It's very deliberate that they put these two stories back-to-back, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I i got to say, I was pretty uncomfortable with the, the political overtones uh, put into this story uh, with, the, with Hooverville and with some of the dialogue between the doctor and Martha as he's explaining the situation and, and when they meet Solomon. Um, it, it's almost as though it's portrayed as the Depression's only happening in the United States, but uh, it's not happening in, in Germany or anywhere else in the world. And I don't, I don't know how to quite put my finger on it, but it, it, it this seems very particular. They're, they're doing this con, they're showing this contrast, but they're showing us Hooverville, which is, uh, although historically accurate, that it was there. Um, it, it wasn't there for that long in New York. There's places in the United States which suffered far more. Sure. And, and it really was a place where you had a few hundred people living out of a city of seven million. And I think it, mm. it really overemphasized. I know they're they're trying to sort of sledgehammer us with a political message here but they've really overemphasized the historical relevance of Hooverville, I think, to create their story. Mm. And I'm not really comfortable with Doctor Who doing that. I believe there's a place for morality in Doctor Who, but not necessarily personal politics. Mm. That's sort of a, uh, how I woke no. up this morning thinking about the episode. I can, I can completely appreciate that, but I think hopefully um, I like having... Um, Putting Doctor Who into historical into a historical context. If you're going back in time, and uh, you know, I think it's very important to do that. But Doctor Who has always taken a political stance. This is not the first time. I mean, going back to the Underworld and, and episodes in, in Tom Baker's era, they, you know, there's been some very direct commentary. Um, uh, but in, that, in those days, in particular, about the British government. Uh, and mm. I think that, I think there's allegory. That that's allegory and morality. Mm. Here they've taken specific uh, historical event. 
Yeah, and, and, and worked on them. And, and, and watching the confidential, Helen Rayner and Phil Collinson are saying we couldn't do uh, the United States and New York and the Depression without showing the contrast. But certainly they could do two stories in Victorian England or Victorian England and Wales without showing the much, much greater contrast that would have existed. I'm mm. not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure why we have to see it in one and not in the other. Right. Uh, I, oh. I, I question their motives a bit. I, I think that certainly I, you can't story in the depression without showing the contrast. I'm just not very happy with how they did it. Yeah. I think there's a very clear plot reason why we have to look at the uh, underside of New York and the depression because. Uh, you need to establish that there are people who would not be missed and so therefore could be turned into good people. And who better than these people who are at the very, very, very fringe of New York society at the time. Yeah, the, the, the portrayal of, uh, especially with, uh, uh, with Miranda Raisin's character, Tallulah, was, she feels like if, if she puts one foot wrong, she's one, you know, that one step from Hooverville. It seems a little extreme. Uh, to me, again, for weighing the size of historically, with the histor- little bits of historical accuracy don't bother me about what year it is and stuff like that. But the mm-hmm. sort of the impact on New York as a whole, the city as a whole, by a place like Hooverville uh, in Central Park, uh, I, I just think they overemphasize it to to make that point. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can absolutely see. I absolutely, you need it. You need some. You need lower class. You need the doctor to team up with people at the bottom. I I don't question that. Very similar to Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel in that way. Uh, when they were looking to recruit Cybermen, they were going to some unemployed uh, fellows in, you know, around London and, and just snatching them up, mostly because, as you said, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be missed. Yeah, but I have to, you know, I almost, uh, there's a bit where uh, I guess if Solomon is talking and says, uh, you know, we're living here in this squalor and there, there they are, they're building Empire State Building and look at the contrast and all I'm thinking is uh, well yeah, if they're not building there, I guess there's a few thousand more people out of work living in Hooverville that's, that's all yeah. I'm thinking and, uh, and, and in <laughs> that era around New York I mean, it was the beginning of, of Robert Moses building so many public yeah. works and, and stuff, so they, they were going out of their way at the time to, to create jobs and it's not really reflected accurately yeah. uh, historically from strictly a New York point of view as opposed yeah. to a American or a global point of view. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be going and defending the presidency of Herbert Hoover against <laughs> no, uh, FDR and LaGuardia and Moses by any means Yeah, uh, for, for the, the benefits they, uh, they gave. I just, I just don't like that, that political stamp that's been put on the it with this story. It's a it, 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 beautiful, beautiful story, but that, that, that aspect of the script really, really bugs me. And is, mm. it, is it me or the Daleks, uh, the, the United States only shown in Doctor Who when they're, the Daleks are somehow involved in Manhattan, <laughs> going back to the chase? Uh, they, they seem to be obsessed with the Empire State Building. The gunfighters. Yeah, and then we have the Paul McGann um, San Francisco story. True, true, but in, in neither story, the, the Daleks, it just seems that they're the Daleks. Come to the United States. Oh, Dallas, yeah. the Dallas was in Utah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Russell T. Davies mentioned a bit of that in the confidential, that he was saying that the Daleks recorded their visit from the chase and saved that for future mm. use, and he kind of chuckled at that, saying yeah. he believed that. Cool. Again, tying it back into um, 60s Doctor Who, we had that last week and this week. Yes. Yeah. Well, the Empire State Building, you know, sort of looks like a big Dalek on the top. <laughs> nice. It's not a phallic symbol. That's a Dalek. 
It would so, be so. Yeah. So as I was, um, as Ken had mentioned earlier, I, I, I did enjoy this the second time viewing it, only because the first time viewing it, um, and as I expressed on the forums, I was sort of like in anticipation of whatever the big reveal was, whatever that was on the Radio Times cover that, was, that I was avoiding all week, so I didn't see it. And so I kept on waiting, okay, you know, like, it's it, it, it's sort of like you're traveling and you're looking over, you know, everyone's shoulders and around every corner and just waiting for this, you know, you, you know, you don't know what it is, but you know it's going to be something that they're building up and, um, anyway, so it was sort of anticlimactic and once, I forget the character's name, but the, the, the guy that was um, leading the the building of, of the Empire State Building, once he was swallowed up by Sek, the Dalek, um, the Black Dalek, you pretty much knew what was going to happen. And yeah, uh, but one thing really annoyed me about that is um, the cover of the Radio Times. I was really... Did you see it? They did say that, yeah. You saw it ahead of time? See, I, yeah, thanks, I saw thanks, it ahead thanks, of time completely. I avoided it, but it didn't help because now I was just anticipating whatever that was. I, you know, I, I wasn't surprised because I was expecting a surprise. Lewis, that should teach you a lesson. Don't avoid spoilers. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I, in hindsight, I think I, I would have rather had seen the magazine. Just, I mean, well, in hindsight, I'd rather have the magazine not done it at all. They could have waited till next week to, you know, to reveal this after this had been transmitted. Well, what would have been worse is if uh, Gridlock would have been delayed by a Watford miracle, and then uh, this yeah. would have came out a week before the episode. Unless they just shown this episode back. Well, uh, once again, we, we spoke about this last year on the podcast, that the, the timing of them showing the season of Doctor Who is always terrible. They, they get into the season, and three or four episodes in, they start changing the time slots. It's, uh, it, it just seems... For, for a flagship show to air in the springtime when the days are getting warmer and brighter, people are doing other things, uh, and then on top of it, to have to keep shifting the time spot. Yeah, it's uh, changed next week as well, I believe. Terrasa posted the time. I mean, the only saving grace is that the Daleks are in it, and that's a major attraction in the UK. Yeah. So- I, I agree. Um, I think people will will watch it, and I think the, the ratings will be high. But I, I hate also the fact that they change the the timing. I think it's really important to keep a consistent time. And I know that there's a lot going on, but even I would be much happier if they just. I know that the, the kids might not be happy about this, but I would be happier if they showed it at eight or something, you know. And then that way, at least if it's a consistent time then you can be sure you're not going to miss it. But now I have to make sure that I'm not on autopilot and every week check and look for the time because I know that they're screwing with it at the moment, which is just really annoying. And I'm sure it's no fault of of the production team who work on Doctor Who. It's just management decisions by the Beeb itself. So I think it's a shame when people put so much uh, passion and, and effort into producing such a fantastic show and they are just messing about with the times. It's stupid. I think no matter trying what, to keep what, ITV on its toes. Whatever it's going to have a Yeah, that's probably right. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Tara. <laughs> uh, if, if they put it at 8 o'clock on Eurovision or some other time, then they'll have to play it earlier again. I mean, whatever time they pick, something's going to give it away. 
However, I don't nah. quite understand why with the Dalek, with last this week and next week, why the time slot changed. I mean, there, it doesn't seem like it was a live event. Like, there was, there's, there's no football affecting it. There's no uh, Eurovision. There's nothing like that. So, yeah, I was wondering that, actually. Just, I'm just happy it's Doctor Who, and that means people watch no matter what, and the time slot changes don't have a negative effect on the ratings. So mm. Mm. that's the important thing. Yeah, it's just when they push it up, that's really, when, you know, when it comes on earlier than it should, for those that are coming in at 7 o'clock will have missed, you know, half the episode if it's coming on, you know, at 6.30. Mm. You know, as opposed to, you know, if they push it back, at least they, you know, you still have a chance to see the whole thing. It just be later than you expected, unless you're time shifting and your recorder is now only going to pick up the first half of the episode. Either way, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, it seems that the only thing that really affects the rating is how ratings is how nice the weather is outside. Doesn't matter what ITV shows, nothing else. The time slot doesn't matter. It's, it's if it's nice, <laughs> then fewer people watch, and that's that's, that's it. Well, the show has what we need is bad weather, and 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 fans that will find when the show is on, which is to its advantage. It just seems it seems a little strange changing the time slot. Very bizarre. Mm. Mm-hmm. It does, and, it, and it's bad business. But on the other hand, we should point out that in terms of relative ratings, it's still handily won um, and did as well in share as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it was down 2 million viewers, but that's still relatively a good thing. Everything was down, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now getting back to Dallas and Manhattan, Doth, I know you were looking forward to this episode uh, because it was uh, written by Helen Raynor, and you wanted to see uh, how um, perhaps a, a woman writer would have a different perspective on the Daleks. Did, um, were there any, anything in there that surprised you or, or, or not? Indeed. You know, not nearly enough has been made of Helen Raynor because she's sort of been lost behind the uh, rather enormous figure of Russell T. Davies and... Julie Gardner, but I think that this story, she's going to be a name that Doctor Who fans will be forced to remember. I think Raymond now joins the ranks of the great script script editor writers. Uh, I think she kind of channeled David Whitaker's emotional improvements upon the Daleks in like um, Evil of the Daleks and blended it with Robert Holmes' um, tendency to have great double acts. Like Holmes, I think she takes stereotypes from a time period or a situation and pairs them up. But where maybe Holmes in Talons of Wing Chiang would have produced only a comedic pairing of Jago and Lightfoot, Manhattan gave us a really different texture. Well, it's easy to believe that maybe because of the Cindy Lauper um, accent of Tallulah, uh, we would have just had comedy out of her. We ended up with quite an effective romance out of the showgirl, and I guess the guy was her manager. And as if that weren't enough, I think she gave us even a second double act in Solomon and Diagoras. They never met, but their counterposition was really vital to Rainer's themes. As the names imply, they're sort of two sides of the same coin who really, I don't think, could have been named better by Holmes himself. Solomon, a man sort of entrusted by God with great wisdom, and Diagoras, who might have taken his name from the um, great ancient Greek atheist. There's sort of a philosophical war going on at the heart of this story, and Rainer 
gave us really intriguing avatars for her arguments. I'm really excited to see where she's going to go after this, but I was very, very impressed with the writing. It's interesting you point that out because it seems over the, the last two episodes between Gridlock and Salad um, in Manhattan, there's, there's a, uh, uh, an underlying message of facing
Uh, I will give it three out of four. Uh, what happened to five? Three out of four. <laughs> oh, all, right. No, I'll give it, all right, I will give it. Ken has been away for a long time. Please it's forgive a sliding me. scale. <laughs> I'll give it a four out of five. I will give Gridlock prior to it a four and a half out of five. I, and Shakespeare Code two, and um, and uh, what was the Smith first? and Jones? Smith and Jones. I will also give it two. Wow. Okay. Fair news. And uh, maybe next time we can hear more about the rationale behind that, uh, Ken. <laughs> but I know you, you gave a bit of it in the beginning of the show, so... The rationale is that good. my mind is going soft in my old age. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, thanks so much. I'll... Uh, I'll Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ken. The podcast, everybody. Have a good one, mate. Bye-bye. Enjoy. Cheers. Oh, I just... Uh, I'm going to mention a bit about the accent for Ken Baudot, and uh, that uh, quite a few of the actors are actually Americans that uh, that they cast in this. Mm-hmm. Movie. Um, as Solomon is, and Solomon is actually I think the actor is from Ghana originally. On, on Holby City, he's on. I think he has Yeah, that's where I recognized him from. I couldn't remember, but I knew it was some hospital show. But uh, was, uh, was the, uh, Queen Amidala's gone? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> You can't take her there. The hearts are gangsters. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of the other guys did. Like Laszlo's American, Daggers was American, and uh, uh, one of the one of the guys from, from Dalek. I think it's one of the first people that we see on screen in the series in the second role. Joe Montana is is, uh, is American. So there's quite a few American actors in the episode. They, for some reason, on British television, though, even when they get Americans, that doesn't quite always sound right. I don't know if it's the directing or what it is, but. Uh, I, I thought I thought overall it was a good job, and and you know, good up to them for for I guess finding every available American actor they could. Uh, for, for <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to make it sound like they're only casting people just because they're American. <laughs> Some actors, probably the American actors or, or even Canadian actors, whatever, that will go to another country and be, so they can be you know, so you know, you're you're a more wanted commodity. It's what, it's what makes you stand out. And, of course, you get the reverse, too, when you get British actors coming over to North America. It works mm, both ways. Mm. It is a lot easier for a British uh, actor to come to America than it is to do the reverse, though. Mm, mm. Unless you're a really, really big star and want to make less money. And can get a card. Yeah. <laughs> Now, to change the topic a bit and to go to the main uh, actors in this uh, episode, which are the Daleks, I have found that there were quite a few uh, links going back to uh, evil of the Daleks, where the Daleks are trying to find out what this human factor is that makes humans basically conquer the galaxy while the Daleks always lose. And this, this, I find, is a very interesting parallel to that uh, 60s episode. Just like the comment about New York City, always, always, there's always New York in one form or another. I don't know the exact quote, but there was a message. Yeah, there's copies of this city throughout time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But also, I thought it was interesting how they also echoed that even when the doctor says when they're in the sewers, when he first sees the Daleks and his worst fears are kind of realized, and he says, you know, why do they always survive when I lose everything? Um, so they kind of both feel the same way, just slightly differently, you know. He, the yeah. doctor 
more in terms of of a personal perspective where the Daleks, I guess, are kind of thinking in terms of their race. So, But it was similar anyway. I thought that was just interesting and uh, kind of showing that there are similarities there. A lot of people could think of the Time Lords in that fashion, where the Time Lords were this impressive force in the universe before they disappeared. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, indeed, I think that's why these Dalek stories in the new series have been generally more compelling than the ones in the 70s and 80s in the old series, because they are absolutely linked to the mystery of the Doctor. So every time one comes up, you're not just getting a Dalek story, you're also getting somewhat of a Gallifrey story. Because mm-hmm. the whole time war aspect of things. And... Mm. So what about the big reveal at the end? Um, any thoughts on that? Well, having a Dalek in a pinstripe suit and wingtip shoes is just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but this is what must be referred to the Art Deco Daleks that everyone was kind of waiting for. <laughs> as long as uh, as long as the traditional Daleks are still, you know, I mean, to me that's the iconic Dalek, and you can't replace that. And as long as they're still around, um, I, I just I just don't. I know others had in our forum spoke about the new Daleks, um, the man Daleks, if you will, replacing the other Daleks um, if, if they can't get the rights from Terry Nation's estate or whatever, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I, that thought did cross my mind, but I completely agree with you, Lewis, is that um, I, I think that, that it's very important that you do keep original Daleks around, and I hope that will always be the case. And I don't think that they would do a Dalek story if you couldn't have the original Daleks. Um, because, they, you know, it would be like having the TARDIS, but with it being in the form of a police box. It just wouldn't be Doctor Who. <laughs> exactly. You, you're um, in my mind. I was just thinking the same exact thing, you know, and, and you know the whole controversy that came up, after, you know, when they, when John Nathan Turner was saying they were going to, you know, fix the communal circuit and blah, 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 and um, yeah. which they did for an episode, but <laughs> then yeah. know, back to the iconic police box. You, you have to have that. Yeah. But I, I don't know how I feel about this kind of hybrid Dalek or, or whatever you want to call it. I want to watch Evolution of the Daleks before I talk too much about it because um, I, I I don't know. I, I'm not too impressed with the, the way the thing looks. Yeah, it looks a little bit like the Jaggeroth uh, with the one eye and uh, <laughs> the jingle, the, the cat calls. I don't know. Or the way it talked. Sorry? Or the way it talked. Where it goes, yeah, that was just human kind of, Alec. <laughs> yeah, it should have been more powerful and more, um, you know, scary, really. And I just looked at it and thought, yeah. it, that looks rubbish, you know. I, I hope yeah. that, um, I mean, I, I agree completely with Taris, is that the suit idea, superb, genius, um, really, really funny. And I like the whole concept from, from the offset of, you know, the, the Daleks having to take on this human factor to survive and to conquer the universe. And because, you know, why wouldn't they do that? Because they want to do anything that they can. They're, they're it, like, almost like the Cybermen in that way, especially as there are only four Daleks left. So I, I like that idea, but I just, I'm not too sure about how it's been realized. And we've only seen like a few seconds this gentleman, or whatever you want to call it. So I will, I will leave my judgment for it, I think, until I've seen Evolution of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. 
what what's interesting though is how the Daleks in in this uh, episode are sacrificing either themselves or bits of themselves to uh, perpetuate their plan, whatever their plan mm. out to be. Mm. Like, I liked the little bit where you had that one Dalek whose uh, bits of the skirt were used for the uh, mast of the, the town, building, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's like when he turns around, there's this empty spot on the back of his uh, skirt. Yeah, yeah, they've it just with aluminium or something, just, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. But I, I, just kind of going away from that for a moment, I didn't really understand the point of that. Was it just me, or was that uh, I don't, the final experiment? I, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be revealed maybe in, in the next part that they were using the Empire State Building as some sort of, um, I don't know, tra- um, energy booster or something. Yeah, I don't I know. know. Maybe, maybe we'll learn in evolution. Maybe that's their plan to try and convert the human race into, into Daleks or something. I don't know. But you, you would think the Daleks would just simply, you know, try to clone themselves, unless that's what that 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 little Wutan, baby Wutan thing was. I don't know. Uh, you think they would just try to uh, clone themselves and build more dark casings and multiply that way? But you know, instead of going to human form, it seems a, a big leap for them. Hmm. I don't know. Um... I was a little surprised that the doctor didn't recognize what looked so obviously like an embryonic Dalek uh, there when he finds it on the, on the, on the It looked like a rutan to me. It looked like a little small rutan. Yeah, it did look like a rutan. <laughs> I was almost expecting a... A green blob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had a little Crawling slowly up the stairs in... Uh, <laughs> exactly. Or in rock. <laughs> and and what's with the pigs? <laughs> Why pigs? You know, but you just, I guess we'll just have to accept that. I mean, you, they're not the most trainable animals. You would think they'll be like dogs, you know, humans or something like Actually, that. Actually, pigs are very intelligent. Yeah. No, I wasn't questioning their intelligence, just train, you know, as if you were making slaves, why pigs, you know? Uh, I mean, for that matter, they can, you know, um, well, other intelligent creatures. I pretty scary, I guess. Um, I, I mean, but that's I, what it I, comes I, down to. It's just the scale factor. Well, and Probably. in addition to that, it's kind of a parallel to what we had in the uh, 70s Aliens with the Ogron. Oh, okay. With the Ogrons uh, serving well, the Daleks. They always well, had they these brutish idiots. And, and that as well. Yeah. Where they dumbed down their servants. Well, I guess maybe if they did Robomen, it would be too similar to the Cybermen. It would be too close to the Cybermen stories of last year. Mm. I thought the, mm. yeah, I thought the pig the pig man looked great, and I really loved the way they walked. This shuffle, this mm. worker shuffle that they have, and the shot of mm. the you know, the artificial floor and the elevator opens, and the Dalek comes out with the two sort of henchmen pigmen following. I just thought was a very memorable, newly iconic shot. It will become an iconic shot. Yeah, they, they look they look great. I was far more impressed with the, the pig man than I was with the in terms of how they look at the time. Mm, mm, I know what you mean, yes. I appreciate that. All right, well, I guess we should go around and uh, give our own ratings on this, and then we'll open it up to everyone else. Uh, we have a few people waiting in queue to be heard, so I, I'm going to say that I'm going to give it uh, three, and I'll, I'll give it four. I, like I said, I enjoyed it the, the second time around, only because I didn't really have great expectations. You know, I knew what to expect, and... Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll give it um, 
I'll give I'll be generous and give it um I'll give it four out of five groans. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I I'm very tentative about reviewing a two-parter. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Only seeing the first episode, but I think what we'll do what we did last year, which is just to review each episode kind of individually. And then next week, maybe we can just give up an overall. Yeah, the whole thing. Um, because my feeling right now is, is there were a lot of things in this episode that I loved. The writing was superb. Uh, I loved the, the mood of the, the episode, the way it was shot and directed was superb. Um, but I, I think me, I'm not too impressed with the, the Alec hybrid at the end. I, I know it yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit rubbish. Yeah, I, I I wasn't impressed, and that's that's the only thing about the episode that I that I felt let down about is yeah. that they that they had they had shown it on the cover of the Radio Times, which I, I for the life of me I don't know why they they want to do such things. Um, I want to tell me yeah, that figures. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true, but. <laughs> for, 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 no, because, of course, it's going to get people excited about it and wonder, you know, what on earth is that? But for the whole episode, I just knew what was going to happen. It was so predictable. It was like transparent. It, you know, you knew what was going to happen. And for that, I don't like it. I think it's bad enough that even the episode title kind of, you know, they've always done this. It's, it's um, you know, Daleks in Manhattan. You know, why, why tell people that? Just... Uh, I would love to know that the Daleks aren't in this episode, and just to discover it um, serendipitously, you know, uh, and not know anything about the episode. So, in, in that aspect, I think it was predictable, and I, I didn't like the, the Dalek monster thingy at the end, the human hybrid. But other than that, I think that the, the direction and, and the writing was terrific. Um, it's a little bit predictable. So I'm going to give it this episode a three out of five, personally. It was good, but there were just bits of it that I didn't like, sadly, that I felt uh, uh, I didn't enjoy so much. So for that reason, I'm giving it a three. But I'm sure next week I think things will get better, and I, I will give um, my opinions about that then. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I, I agree. So uh, going down the list, Harass? I thought this was a pretty solid first parter. The reveal was... I'm kind of uh, waiting to see what happens next episode before I have a real opinion on whether the hybrid is good or bad for the story of the doll. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was a a solid episode, and uh, it's got me waiting to see what they're going to do in the next part. Okay, so you want to forego when you taught us rating growing Correct. until next week. Okay. Well, I, right. I just don't uh, see any value in giving a yeah. number that then's going to okay. change when new episodes show up. Fair enough. Darth. Well, let's see. Uh, thematically, I think it's a really good episode. I actually very much enjoyed the... I don't really call it a political discussion. I think it's more of a social examination of a very small segment of both the Daleks and the humans. And I enjoy seeing a very large story told through a very narrow window. So that was really good. Uh, I liked uh, uh, the, the subtle character textures that were going on. But, you know, 
really the overall plot has kind of been done before. It's derivative of uh, the comic Children of the Revolution, which is the sequel to Evil of the Daleks. That was made Doctor Story. Uh, the only difference is that instead of the Daleks changing into uh, a human, they just took on board more human properties and they became very, they, they started to talk like humans instead of talking like Daleks. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not as original an idea overall as it may first appear to be. Um, but I still think it's very well realized, except like everybody else has said, the aesthetics of prosthetics. Uh, those silly, silly people that they spent all their money on the pigs and didn't spend it on the main creature. And that, I think, was a mistake. So, I don't know. For writing, for the pure characterization, it's a five. For acting, it's a five. Um, I, you know, there's a little touch in here that I think is really cool that she put in, which is uh, the character, uh, the, the young kid um, who has the southern accent. I think mm-hmm. it's really very clever indeed that she very specifically said that the guy is from Tennessee. Because I think that makes it more likely that he's not going to have a problem with the color of anybody's skin. Now, there are a lot of people in Tennessee who would have at that time had problems with that. Of course, Tennessee is one of those border states that would have switched over during the Civil War. And so it's plausible that even though he has a southern accent, he wouldn't have had a problem with Martha or with Solomon, which very, very good observation from a British author. Mm-hmm. Um, but... If we boil the thing down, I guess it's about a three overall. I guess something like that. Okay. Well, uh, next week you—I mean, if you'd like to revise it, you can for the yeah. overall episode. So, uh, overall story that is. Uh, Mike. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess like like everybody, it's tough to give uh, any kind of conclusive opinion. Uh, having just seen the first part, I think there's some there's some two parters where the first episode's amazing. There's some two parters where there's very much uh, sort of two two one episode stories that's joined together. But here it's it's, it's almost all introduction, uh, so it's not mm-hmm. to give much uh, an overall opinion. So I'm going to reserve giving any any number of TARDIS groans uh, until I've seen both parts because uh, I don't want to be uh, I, 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 right now I'd be giving a number on the low side and I don't think that's fair. Okay. It's an absolutely beautiful story with tremendous production values, the design. I think the acting is quite good. Uh, again, a story where it could be quite tough. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I like the premise, and I, well, you know, I think what I really like at, at the heart of the premise is the idea of a Dalek story, where it's. I mean, obviously, it's conquering the Earth, but it's not a giant, giant millions of Dalek story. Yeah. Not yet. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that it doesn't get too big and, and you know, we're fighting for control of the entire universe. Uh, it's nice to get sort of to those, uh, those smaller Dalek stories that, that we did have back in the 60s. So were, there was the Dalek master plan, but there was also Power of the Daleks. And, and yeah. the Pretty outlined, uh, you know, I, I really don't like the, the direct political overtones of the story. Not the, uh, not the, the morality play of, of the... the Last struggle. It's, that I have no problem with. I much would have rather seen the Doctor team up with some, some guys from the Bronx or the Lower East Side or, or something that has a little more historical backbone to it uh, than making a big deal out of out of Hooverville and trying to uh, 
trying to sum up an entire period of history of another country in, in five minutes, which I think is, is dangerous, whoever you are, and you just get to talk to you, but especially about another and, and then finally, when we get into the Dalek storyline, so far, I'm not impressed with the, uh, the man Dalek, or, or even, I like the idea. Uh, it's an idea we've explored in Doctor Who several times before, with the human factor and the combination, racial purity. Uh, I would have thought that, just from looking at the first episode, that I would have thought that what the Daleks want from the humans is their spirit and their perseverance, not their length. So it's yeah. kind of funky a Dalek in a pinstripe suit, uh, he, just, he just seems to now be a Dalek that's much easier to kill. We'll have to see next week. <laughs> Especially now that they realized um, with, with CGI that Daleks can fly and all that, the legs are, in fact, could be limiting. Yeah, so I think, uh, I, I think that it, it, it's done, it's, obviously it's been done for the, for the visual shock value and, or the impressive shock value of, of, of seeing this man Dalek. It falls down for me because I'm not impressed with that realization. If I was impressed with the realization, maybe I would give them give them some more leeway there. I think the, mm, mm. me though the, the idea of a stronger Dalek is is the Dalek that thinks differently, not the Dalek that looks differently. Uh, mm. This one do both. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess you know James James summed it up summed it up already. Just not not impressed with the realization. I look forward to the second episode and see if they can uh, can rescue it. Because uh, for me, what would be a shame is if uh, the script here ends up letting down some amazing, amazing production work and, and great casting. Uh, you know, it's just, hopefully there's enough story left to fill a second episode. The first episode is uh, the pacing is very slow for New Dark, unusually slow and, un- and, and you know mostly unusually predictable for for the new series. It's not something we've seen too much of. Mm-hmm. So no, yet. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully next week I'll be able to give a number that's higher than the. Okay. Well, we have a few people waiting in the queue, so we're going to um, not delay any further. And they've been waiting for a while, so I do apologize for the wait. But let's um, get on with it. I believe the first one, if I'm not mistaken, is West. He's um, one of our first, um, if I'm not mistaken, people that sent us. Um, feedback back in the beginning of the podcast so hello, hey everybody Matt. is that Hi. you yeah that's me good to have you back yeah it's been great um let's just say long time listener first time caller um <laughs> <laughs> i just i just got to watching the dollar command and i thought it was okay um i agree with most what everyone else has said that it's it's kind of like the the Cyberman story from last year. The first episode kind of was a build-up, so you really can't do anything with it until you see the second half, in my opinion. Mm, but uh, mm. overall, I thought the acting was great, and Martha just keeps growing on me every week. Yeah, that's true. I think yeah, she's growing on me too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's keep it clean uh, now. <laughs> but um, I, I think you know they, they've. Did a really good job picking a good actress to to fill Billy Piper's shoes. That wasn't real easy to do. It's much like you know, yeah. And it Tennant stole the show from the day one, I think. So anyway, but yeah, overall I liked it, and I've I've really liked most of the episodes this season already. I think Gridlock is my favorite one though, so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I really loved uh, Brannigan. He was just yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's probably the best character of. The, the new series so far, other than the the main cast. Oh, I would. Yeah, I, I totally, so totally agree. 
Um, the way they were able to take the, the standing set and use the same one over and over again, which you never really could tell, was just incredible. Yeah, I, it was I'm a very clever to, idea. Don't want to steal from, from Daleks, though, so we'll get back over there. So, <laughs> I digress. There have been many people that have expressed the same thoughts about, about the character, so I wouldn't be too uh, surprised if um, he has a spinoff in the works. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Yet another one. And another one and another one. Yeah, it'll be Doctor <laughs> Who world. I, I, I heard someone um, say something funny the other day. It was, uh, you know the end of the world is coming when good stuff like Star Trek and Star Wars are not as good as they used to be, and the best thing on TV is Battlestar Galactica and Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, anyway, uh, go ahead. Would, would you give it a Tardis Grown rating, or would you rather hold off? I would say just episode-wise, I'd give it a, a a three out of five, and we'll just have to wait mm. and see overall. And, yeah. And, Wes, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm now in Panama City, Florida. I was in uh, right outside of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I, okay. I took a job, so I'm a... Very good. <laughs> and it's been a while since I've been able to get one of my podcasts out, and I'm working on one right now, so... Yeah, yeah, had a good Bro. show. I, um, I miss it. You actually listen to it? I have people listening? Wow. Yes. <laughs> well, we it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? We had the link on our site, but I think it went dead or something. I, don't, I had to change links or it, it changed, I don't know, something. I actually, I, cha I changed my podcast server. I'm using um, Podomatic now, and it, it seems to work a lot better than the one I was using. I don't even remember what it was called. Mm. And um, I just want to say hello to Russell, who seems like he's having a little trouble getting on today, but... You know, yeah, I hopefully a, um, he can get that sorted out, and he will he'll join us next week, you know, voice wise. I um I had one one podcast with him, and it was pretty interesting to me. So I thought it was he's very free with with talking to people, and that's, that's kind of neat, especially since he's in another country. Sort of, well, he is, but some continent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, I just want to say hello, and I enjoy your your show, and I'll, I'll be back next week. Okay, and keep us posted on your podcast as well. I sure will. Yeah. All right. Next Take care. Time you have episode, please right. plug it. <laughs> yes, I will. Okay. Good we're going to go next in our queue, which I believe is Dave. Hello, Chef. I'm here. Hey, Dave. Right. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great episode. Um, obviously, as, as people have said, um, being a two-parter, it's difficult to make a, a total judgment. But there were a lot of nice mm. uh, details thrown in, I thought. Um, I liked uh, the, the two comparing stories where uh, on the Empire State Building, the Dalek says that, um, you know, we've lost everything, but the humans continue, and uh, New York's all through history. And then later on, uh, the exact opposite of that, the Doctor in the uh, mm. says, the Daleks, they've taken everything from me, and still they survive. And, mm. and, and going back to a point somebody else made earlier, I, I think that's why the, the the jellyfish thing he found in the um, corridor, he didn't put two and two together then, because he thought all the Daleks were, were gone. Um, similarly, some points have been making point, why pigmen and not the ogrons? But of course he didn't have them with him. Only four of them made the emergency temporal leap. <coughs> and so they're going with what they've got. Hence, the, uh, they're having to strip one of the Daleks for those um, uh, some sort of conductors that they're putting on top of the, uh, the tower. I think they said at some point there was um, some gamma strike due that night. 
Now, my interpretation of this is not that they've got some great plan to conquer Earth at this point. They're just trying to uh, get away in terms of temple shift, emergency, limited range. They'd already been to the Empire State Building. They could leap back 80 years. But perhaps they couldn't leap in space as well. Presumably, if there's some sort of gamma burst that hits the Empire State Building, uh, they won't be able to boost their emergency um, uh, locator, or whatever you want to call it, and get back to the future. Uh, again, they had to rely on men. Uh, why the Dalek with um, the Dalek half-man? Uh, because they need his legs and arms. But if they can get themselves back into the future, their time, uh, then they wouldn't need that because everything is obviously automated. So I felt as though the, the, the main plan was to get away from Earth, not necessarily to control it. And, and on the forums you might have seen, I've coined the phrase uh, manlet for the creature. Yes. What is, what? <laughs> a manlet, not Dalek, a manlet. It, it also sounds like a porn film as well, but I didn't want to say anything. Oh, <laughs> Lewis, leave it out with the puns, mate. That was so terrible. <laughs> no, I couldn't resist that. That's too easy to go. Couldn't resist buying it or couldn't resist... <laughs> At least Lewis waited till after the hour mark in the show. <laughs> Everybody has churned off all the young kids, yeah. Right. Um, one other thing, I mean, I'm with James on that. Uh, in the UK, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing that Radio Times cover. And if you watch the actual reveal as the director intended it, uh, the, the, the half garlic comes out of the case and it only shows the top of the head. And there's a dramatic music in the background, and he's building up to the reveal of the face. He wouldn't have done that if he'd known that everybody knew what the face looks like anyway. So I, I agree. Was re it was really stolen from him on that. Yeah, and I um, think, for me, it really spoiled the episode, because I was kind of looking at my watch and thinking, okay, okay, when's it going to happen? You know, I, it spoiled the whole episode for me. It just made it so predictable and... Oh, I think it was the stupidest thing they could have done. He was even wearing the same suit all the way through, so if you'd seen the picture, you knew he was the man that was going to get turned. Yeah. Um, lots of other good points. Martha, again, did a, a, a good part. She did a, a little Mickey-like thing at the beginning. If uh, you remember when they arrived at the alternative, the doctor's still trying to figure out where they are. Mickey comes up with the solution. The doctor's trying to configure, uh, figure out what year it is in uh, New York. Martha picks up the paper, comes up with the answer. So there are lots of little interlinks there. Uh, not mentioned very much as well as being this heaven and hell theme that seems to have been running through a couple of episodes. Um, in um, Gridlock, one of the cars was, they had red people in and one had white people in. In the dance routine, the girl was an angel, and the dancers were devils with the tails. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something coming along there that might come out later. Um, I think I know what you mean. Maybe we'll get to see the beast again. Right, right, right. One of the things well, it has to tie into Torchwood somehow, and, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the other things it reminded me a little bit with the... With the um, 
as I thought the Daleks trying to get away from 1930s uh, Earth, was the, um, the story where the chap was split up in time, um, the one where the Da Vinci pictures are in it. Um, and yeah, he's yeah. a one-eyed, he's a one-eyed um, monster. It's Jagger, uh, City of Death. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. that's what I said earlier, uh, Jagger. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the similar face, and of course, he, he was trying to use technology of the different times uh, to get himself sorted out. Uh, well, and I'll that's similar, there, similar to the Time Warrior as well, when right. the Spartan yeah. is trapped back in time. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. With the Baron, yes. Um, so, just one last point. I thought the attention to detail was really good in the the costuming and the the Hooverville and the the um, the Dalek coming out of the lift, as I think um, Merlin said. That that's going to be a real classic picture in the in future. Uh, it really looked good coming out of the lift. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, I would say three and a half at the moment, but I've got a feeling it could be rewrited to a four when we see the second half. Mm-hmm. A very solid episode. Uh, I thought Ken was a bit uh, lean on some of his ratings this season. I thought the standard has been quite consistent. Mm. But mm. Well, everybody has their own opinion. Actually. Exactly. That, that's, that's why we're all here, of course, yeah, to, to have our own opinion. So... Um, that's all for me, Lewis. Yeah, three and a half out of five, I think, at the moment. Very good. Um, just remind our listeners, for those that may not remember, where you're calling from? UK. Manchester. Okay. Very good. <laughs> <Life> on Mars. <laughs> That's right. Just like to keep everyone, um, you know, it's, it's interesting knowing that, that everyone's, um, it's, it's a world cast podcast and we enjoy having everyone. Um, I like that world cast. Yeah, it was James <laughs> and I's American accent that filled you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually yeah, from the UK. British I'm... accents have got to go on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually from the UK myself. I put a fake New York accent and pretend I'm in New York. Is that why uh, so many people ring in and say, you know, I can't believe that Long Island accent it doesn't sound real? <laughs> yeah. I certainly think you're an Anglof- Anglophile anyway. <laughs> I promise never to say Z cars again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you remembered that. Is it going to say this, this trouble? No, you'll be all right. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you okay, so much, Dave. Yeah. We're going to go to... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'll tell you, no, I'm glad to... Uh, I'm quite happy to join in. Somebody said uh, that uh, the poor lad's waiting and paying all his money, but it's, it's only a couple of cents an hour, I'm, I'm, uh, a minute, I'm... Fine with it. Great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Dave. It's always a pleasure mind. having you on the show. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And joining us from last week, uh, once again, is uh, Travis. So let's get Travis online. Hello. And James and the rest. Ooh. Hey, Travis. Hello. I'm, I'm running blanks here because I'm trying to. You guys have talked about a lot of stuff that I was going to originally talk to. Oh, but. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, I ain't got nothing left. <laughs> but I, I didn't really care for that, that Jagger guy either, so. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe that's where the Jagorovs came from, you know. Maybe he ends up becoming the first Jagorovs gets sent off into some time vortex. <laughs> and at the very end of the next episode, he can just be like waking up, who am I? Oh, and she's a piece of paper. You're a Jagorovs or something. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I, 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 um, I'm not sure how I'd rate it. Honestly, I'd have to actually see the second half, really. Yeah, I think it's very hard for everyone to rate it. Um, because, and I think uh, because of the way this oh, because of the way uh, this thing ends, it's like you need to kind of see the whole thing. And I mean, I like like classic who it was all the, the two-parter or six parts and I I when I originally watched it, it they were all like the the TV style I didn't actually watch it in the episode format I didn't even mm-hmm. back then I didn't even know they were episode format originally mm-hmm. and it was like mm-hmm. you know after the show had gone off the air and then I figured it out great so I'd, I'd love to see like more two-parter that's the only thing that I'm kind of saddened by the newer stuff, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the cliffhanger is we're we're not getting an, enough of those, but I mean, as long as the, the oh, story yeah. calls for it, you know that. Um, I mean, as long as they can do a two-parter or a multi-part story, and they have a story that 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 can fill those that time slot, yeah. In other words, not a, not a lot of padding, just solid storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, tra- Travis, remind everyone where you're calling from. I'm from California, and it's about three thirty-five a.m. here. It's it's. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's three thirty-five a.m. in California. <laughs> no, wait. Is it three? Oh, no, it's eleven. Wait, at thirty-five. What am I looking at? That's stupid clock. <laughs> It's 11.35. <laughs> no, maybe the time travel. I, I, think, I, I think I saw double threes and 11 wasn't there. Maybe that's your time. It should be about 2 something there, right? Or 11. It, it's it, yeah, 2.36 in the Eastern time zone. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, sir. I'm sorry I didn't have nothing useful today, but... No, it's all right. No, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Yes. All right. Well, I was going to say congratulations for having all three of you on, but uh, Ken had to bow out, apparently. <laughs> maybe you can go back. Maybe when you find time to record uh, your other stuff, you'll go back in time and get him. We just may do that. <laughs> all right, then. Thank yeah. you for having me on. Well, thank you. No problem. Anytime. Take care. All right. All right, well, yeah, it's been very difficult for the three of us, Ken, James, and I, to get together lately for a, a podcast. If you were listening into the beginning of this uh, live version of the show, you have heard um, Ken mention that he's just moved into a new home, so that's really been taking his time. You know, be that and work, he hasn't had time to really uh, spend much time with us, unfortunately, but hopefully mm-hmm. that will change oh, yeah. once he settles in. Yeah. So we had a lot of people trying to fill his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would seem so, yeah. I, I do want to remind everyone, those that are, are listening to the live um, podcast version or listening to it in its raw version, that we um, this is just the live 
if you listen to this via the live feed, this is just the live version of Dr. Pachak. We have, uh, if you go to pachak.net or the org, you can uh, catch all our other podcasts. And we are going to continue uh, with our regular formatted podcast as well, which will be mostly spoiler-free. We've um, Obviously, these live podcasts were done so we could review the episodes immediately and obviously are not spoiler-free. So um, Exactly, yeah. Be sure to check out. I didn't out. hear that cloister bell. Yes, there's no cloister <laughs> bells here. Otherwise, we've run into the entire episode. <laughs> that would be really annoying over yes. an hour and 20 minutes of cloister bells. <laughs> but if you really wanted, we could arrange it. <laughs> We will get people ringing in, not complaining about Murray Gold's um, alarm that he has on his music, but uh, our um, clacks. Mm. Wow. Well, how's that for a gong? <laughs> <laughs> so once again, net or gallifreyandembassy.org, and, um, and eventually these uh, live podcasts will make their way to the feed and with a little polishing. So um, Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do want to thank everyone for being um, part of the show. It's fantastic and to be able to do this, on, you know, to do a live show and, and, and talk about the episode while still fresh in our minds. I know there's been some, um, you know, um, people requesting that we maybe do it later so that they have time to catch the episode and join us. And um, also our friends down under in, in Australia so that they can join in part of the fun as well. Because right now, uh, I, I thought maybe Travis was in Australia there for a second when he said it was 3.30 a.m. because it's, it is in the middle of the morning for them, um, you know, for those in, in Australia. So, uh, and it's a Monday now, morning for them. It's so a Monday morning, A lot morning, of people yes. work. Yeah, even worse. Yeah. Well, it, um, I know Triple B and... Um, and Chris, our Australian correspondents, had said that they that wouldn't be an issue, being that it was a Monday morning. Just that you know, it's just, they just can't do it at three thirty in the morning. So, um, <laughs> so uh, maybe the original. Um, go ahead. Yeah. I was so just saying, maybe, I think the round table they did it like that. They did it early, and we did it when it was uh, in the morning for them. Yeah, I think we started the the first round table. Um, one that we did back, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, August of, of last year, we did it at 4 p.m. our time, which worked better for them. It was, um, you know, early morning. It was morning. like 8 in the morning or something yeah. like that, yeah. It was manageable, at least. I don't know, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll, I would love to have them on again. We don't, we don't have our Australian friends on the show uh, enough, I think. So, yeah, it's sort of a balancing act, trying to get everyone, you know, where it's conducive for those in the U.K., in the U.S., and Australia, when I say U.S., I should say North America, because I don't want to leave out our Canadian friends. And, um, but it's, it's a, you know, as Tress has said, um, no matter, you know, if it's a worldwide podcast, no matter what time you choose, it's going to be difficult for some people. Yeah, that's the only downside, I guess, to this format. But um, I don't know, maybe we can fluctuate things a little bit to try and uh, get lots of different people on. We'll, we'll, have, we'll figure something out. Mm. We'll uh, all come together. All right, well... Thank you once again, everyone. We're going to um, bring this live show to an end. And any other closing comments from anyone? Nope. It's all good. Okay. Well, thank you, Taras. Thank you, Doss. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, um, um, everybody. Ken, yes. Ken has left, and um, obviously, James. And I'm sure I'm leaving someone out. 
um, and, and all those that I've been listening as well. Darth and Mike. Yes. Thanks, guys. All right. Cheers, everyone. Take care. Huh? Good night. Good afternoon, and good morning. <laughs> All the above. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock Live by the fan-run GallifreyanEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. This is a live broadcast and we were working out some audio problems, so do please forgive us for the audio quality of this episode. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. You've just heard an interactive, interactive interactive, podcast designed for audience participation. Come talk, talk, talk text chat, or listen live at TalkShoe.com.